Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We are New Horizons Christian Fellowship from Starkville, Mississippi. We are about kingdom family, reaching up to the Father, reaching in to each other, and reaching out to the world. We hope you will be strengthened and encouraged by the message. So I'm not sure how it is with, with everyone's families in this morning here this morning when it comes to uh, when it comes to scaring each other. Uh, but in our our family, we and Sierra really enjoys doing that to everybody. Uh, I, just, I don't know. She's really she really gets a, a really really enjoys scaring, especially the kids. Uh, with they get to running around the house uh, as they do every day. And uh, not all the time, but sometimes she will. She'll join, not really join into that, but she'll. Their the path, whatever the path that they have around the house, you know, they they do the same one, and she'll get in somewhere and hide. And as they come around, uh, she'll you know, of course pops out, scares them, and they, she always gets a really big reaction out of them, and, and they love it. Uh, Park, he gets really so excited about it. You know, most of the time, what he'll do is he'll come get me, and we'll walk around the house because he knows that. He knows that she's there somewhere waiting, waiting to jump out and scare him. And she does the same thing to me, same thing to me, uh, especially, <laughs> especially, I, mainly when I'm getting ready for this, getting ready for, especially the, uh, back in June when I was get, uh, preparing for all this, uh, I was upstairs and uh, focused on what I was doing in front of my computer typing away, trying to figure out what I was going to come up here and say. And uh, she, of course, sneaks up the, up the stairs quietly as she can. And all of a sudden, like, I just turn around, and there she is. And she you know, jumps out, and she got me, she got me really good. I've, I've been able to get better at being aware if she's in the room trying to do that, and I can kind of be prepared, and she doesn't, she doesn't get me as bad. But she got me really good that day. Uh, but when she's doing this, uh, when she's trying to, to scare us or, or scare me. Uh, you know, she's there the entire time. She's there waiting, waiting for me to notice her, or she's just waiting for the right moment to jump out. And, you know, we don't know, I don't know that she's there, obviously, uh, until she makes herself known, until she jumps out, I don't know she's there. And in this past few weeks of, uh, of studying, studying Gideon in the book of Judges, uh, he has, Gideon has kind of a similar some uh, similar experience with his encounter with the angel of the Lord. So uh, if you have your, have your Bibles with you this morning or your phones or whatever, uh, if you have in, in Judges chapter 6, uh, verse, uh, verse 11 and 12, I'll read that real quick. Yeah, here we go. And it says, now the, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So the, here the angel of the Lord, he came, he sat down, and then, and then he appeared to Gideon. Uh, well, what made, what made Gideon become aware of the angel of the Lord, we don't know. It doesn't really, doesn't really say the angel may have come over from a seated position. We don't, we don't know exactly what he did, but he made himself known. Uh, and in the verse 12, the word, the word appear, uh, uh, appeared, tra- uh, the Hebrew word for that, or it's tra- it's translated, makes it uh, suggest that the angel presented himself or he made himself visible to Gideon. Uh, the, the angel's actions uh, to, that made it possible for Gideon to see him, we don't, we don't not, not quite sure, but 
what we can see uh, from the verses, or can we can kind of assume, I guess I kind of assume, uh, is that the angel of the Lord came and came in an ordinary way, came looking like an ordinary person, and, and presented himself, came to Gideon while he was performing an everyday normal task for this, for this time of year. So no, no big event, no strike of lightning, no, uh, loud, no loud voice from the angel. He just came to Gideon in an ordinary way, trying to get his attention. Uh, so God often comes to us, to me, I, I believe he kind of comes to us in our everyday time. In our, in our everyday, what we may think of a boring time in our life, the ordinary circumstances, this is kind of how God comes to us most of the time. Uh, if we are constantly seeking the big event, you know, the hair standing up on the back of your neck event from God, to, to hear from him, to encounter him, to hear his voice, we're going to miss out sometimes. We're going to miss out on those more intimate, more relaxed times in relationship with God. So the, the everyday, the routine, the, the common, these are sometimes, the, this is when God is going to come and reveal himself to us. So we have to be able to anticipate that and be, be aware of his presence. So having our kind of our spiritual, spiritual radar, as it were, uh, in constant anticipation, seeking his presence, always seeking his presence in the midst of our everyday lives, common times, regular days, whenever we're at this kind of, it's really important to hear from God. Because sometimes the, the place and the manner that, he, that we find him, that he finds us, is going to be the times that we don't expect that, least expect it. We're going to have the, we're going to have the big moments. Again, we're going to have those big moments with God. We're going to have the, the times with maybe we're experiencing something like Paul did. Uh, but we're not always going to be that way. It's not always going to be flashy. Uh, so being mindful of that, recognizing him, even when the glory of God is just wrapped up in our in normalcy, uh, is, is important to gaining clarity in, in our calling on our lives. So we have to be, to be aware of God's purpose for our lives. We need to be aware of his presence in our lives, constantly, constantly seeking God for what he wants us to do, where he's leading us. Uh, in, let's see here, let's turn to, if we have your Bibles with you, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 here. It says, Let's pray that the eyes of your heart be open to understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, uh, what are the riches, what, yeah, let's, oh, sorry, lost my place here. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of, working of his mighty power. I'll read, I'll, read, I'll read that again. It says, the eyes, of, the eyes of your heart, understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So, to me, I see this happening in Gideon. Throughout his whole story, this is, you kind of see this unfold in his life. So, he became, a, he became aware of God's presence first, and then he discovered the calling of what God was wanting him to accomplish, wanting him to do. So the same is true, is true for us in our lives. Our, we, we need to be, be able to detect God's presence so that we can, and when we are able to do this, when we're able to detect his presence and be aware of his presence in our lives, we can, the opportunity unfolds for us to understand our calling and what our inheritance is, what is the, that we have the power, the ability to accomplish tasks that, that we have in front of us that he has for us to accomplish. Um, we often want to 
get on with the purposes of God in our lives. We want to know what He wants us to do and get on with that before becoming aware of His presence and honoring that presence in our lives. And this story we see with, with Gideon, that first the angel came to, came to him, made him aware of his presence, and then God spoke to him. God spoke to him what he wanted him to do. Uh, and then, one more time, in, first, in Samuel, book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, 4, 4 through 11. It says, uh, The Lord came to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord came and yet again said, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know yet, did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again at the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must speak. And you must say, uh, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak for your servant, for your servant hears. So the voice of God in this this had, and this situation was with Samuel here. It was not accompanied by any big fanfare. It was not a loud voice. It was a, it was a small voice, so unexciting that Samuel thought it was Eli talking to him, talking, kind of calling him out. Had God not persisted and constantly called Samuel, you know, he would have never realized that who the vo- realized that the voice was coming, coming from God. And so, do, do we miss out on God's voice sometimes? Do we miss hearing that when we don't know who it is? And we brush it off. So at this point, this point in Israel, Israel's history here, if we you know that we look at the book of Judges, you know it took place uh, after Joshua's death, and it tells a story really of how Israel failed to do what God was calling them to do, wanted them to do. The the tribes were supposed to go in to the to the land, take over, uh, remove the Canaanites, remove all the inhabitants from the land, and take over, take full possession. Uh, so we, the first kind of couple sections of it tells a story of how of you know they didn't do that they didn't drive out the Canaanites they didn't fully possess the land. The second section of it uh, kind of tells us about the judges and their progression of how they went from kind of good judges the first three to to okay and to just really bad bad uh, bad leaders. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of battles a lot of fighting in this book and it really tells a story of how 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 Israel the people of Israel began to forget. The character of God, forget who He was. They begin to treat Him like He was a Canaanite or Midianite god. Especially even one of the judges, Jephthah. Jephthah, I think is how you pronounce that name. He even to he vowed to sacrifice one of his daughters if he won a battle. So you can tell it really see how the people of Israel they they forgot the character of God. <clears throat> so at this point in in Gideon in his story, as he was a farmer. Um, at this point, they would be at the time of the year harvesting wheat. Uh, you would see farmers taking the time to thresh wheat. They would want to, probably want to do this in an open area, uh, but then you didn't find Gideon there. Gideon was working in a wine press. He did that because he didn't want the Midianites to see what he was doing and come and take what he was doing, come and take his hard work away from all the wheat that he had, that he had taken the time to thresh. So he was in a small space, used a small, small tool to do this with, 
to do this with and slowly thresh the wheat out. The main, the main task of, thr- of threshing for, for Gideon here was to, uh, to separate wheat from the chaff, right? The, the, the grain which you wanted to take, the, what was nutritious for us, separate that out from what was, what was no good at the chaff. So Gideon, you know, he wouldn't have seen this, but I do in this, that he became so, so blind to it, the significance of what God was showing, trying to show him. The physical act of separation was, was pointing him toward what, he was wanting, what God was wanting him to accomplish, pointing towards that, getting him ready to separate his people from their enemies. And in, verse, in chapter 6, again, verse 25, 26, it says, it says, Now it came to pass that the same night that the Lord had said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, uh, that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, uh, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image uh, you shall cut down. And Gideon, and Gideon did that. Uh, so Gideon, he was being prepared here, prepared to separate one nation from another, from God's people, from their enemies, uh, separating himself from his allegiance to Baal. Uh, separation, was, that was going to become a big part of his entire story of leading his people and getting them out from under Midianite control. And so we're seeing scripture here kind of build, build meaning around all the different events in Gideon's life right now. Because uh, this, this is God's story, not just Gideon's story. The story of God leading, taking Gideon, showing him what he is capable of and showing and getting him to accomplish this task. So even in, even in the mundane, even in the ordinary experiences of our lives, God was, he was taking him, grooming him, preparing him for the process to initiate with his people to get them uh, out under, from under, underneath Midian control. So if we look around in our own lives, you know, what is God doing for us? What is God, how is he leading us? How is he leading, preparing us uh, for tomorrow's calling? You know, all the things that we do in our lives carry clues to what, we, what God is wanting us to accomplish so, separation is not the only thing God was trying to communicate with Gideon you know, through this, through, through threshing. So, based on what we can see of the Israelites' ordeal at the time and what they were all going through, uh, it's hard to kind of imagine them as being uh, a people that were, that were fruitful, that were, that were happy uh, with the circumstances in their lives. But sometimes the ordinary, ordinary tasks, tasks in our lives can, can shed some light on, things, on overlooked perspectives that we have. So the fact that, that Gideon was threshing wheat was a symbol of God's favor over him. The fact that he was, had something to do, that he had enough, that he had what he needed, despite the hardship, it was from favor from God that he was doing what he was doing. So even in our, even in our ordinary duties, our ordinary days, everything that we have, everything that we do is favor from God, all that we have. If, we were, if he were to move that blessing from our lives, if he were to move our 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 family, our work, possessions, our home, you know, the need for the daily tasks that we have will go away. Uh, so we don't need to, to look at those things that we do every day, despise those, the things that we think that aren't good or weigh, weigh us down. Uh, take away from the goodness of God that they represent in our lives. We don't really know just how blessed that we are from all the things, all the things that we have, all the things that we do. Gideon threshed wheat because God was kind, God was good to him. 
And he had taken that kindness away, and Israel would have been left with nothing at all, nothing to have at all. So do, and did, you know, does, does Gideon realize that? Did he realize that at the time? Did he realize that all that he had, what he was able to do was a blessing from God? He probably, he probably didn't. Probably so concerned with what was going on, with trying to keep things safe, keep things hidden from his enemies, that he didn't realize that God hadn't abandoned him. You know, that's what they're, kind of what their feeling was, was God has abandoned us. Where, where is God in all this? And what God was trying to show him is, I'm right here because I'm, I'm giving you all that you have, all that you need. So as, we're, as we look at the abundance that Gideon had, or the, that Israel had, you know, we, there's an important principle that I see here that we don't, that we don't need to miss. You know, God says, God's people were oppressed by Midianites. Their, their situation that they were in was a consequence of their rebellion against God, not fully taking possession of the land. All the tribes, they, they were told to do that, but they didn't fully do that. They defeated some tribes in the Canaanite tribes, but they didn't, didn't take them all out. They did not fully possess the land. They fell into idolatry, uh, fell into uh, marriage with the Canaanite, Canaanite women, and so this brought in all kinds of other stuff they weren't supposed to be doing. This obviously isn't what God was wanting them to do. Uh, yet he supplied their needs in doing this. He chose to bless them even though they were not uh, performing the task that, they, that he wanted them to do. He blessed them, but they were, they were not fully blessed. Uh, so they had, they had wheat, they had what they needed, they had abundance in their lives, but they didn't have peace, they didn't have goodwill. And so, so having, having this ample supply, having everything that they needed, you know, even though the environment that they were in, you know, tells me that really both, both oppression and abundance can coexist in, our, in, in the lives of God's people. Uh, oppression and abundance can, can coexist in our lives. And what I, kind of, I mean by that is that God is going to bless us no matter what we do. No matter what we do, God is going to take care of us. He's going to see our needs. He's going to supply those needs. He may not be in total agreement with what we're doing, but he's going to supply, supply our needs. He's going to take care of us. And we also, we don't need to let the things in our lives that seem to weigh us down, that seem to hold us back, that we think hold us back, take away from the blessings in our lives that they represent. You know, they represent those things that we do, everyday tasks that we do represent blessings from God. We, have, we are so blessed that we don't realize that all, all that we have, all we have is from God. All the, all, the, uh, all the laws, all the rituals, things that they had, the Israel, people of Israel had to, had to do, we don't have to do that. You know, Jesus, Jesus paid that price for us that we don't have to worry about those things. He paid it all for us. All that we have, all that we have is from God. All the things in our life represent God's favor on us. <clears throat> so for, for years, Gideon lived in his life, lived in a world where uh, his home and his land, they were controlled by, Midian, by the Midianites. So he probably didn't feel, probably didn't feel up to the task, really, of leading Israel. You know, he didn't look like that. So the primary, the primary goal of the angel of the Lord in this moment was getting him to see that, getting him to, to realize that he was capable of that. That's not how God saw him. They give him kind of a tug in the right direction. Um, and in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 6, here it says, The angel of the Lord, again it says, appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, 
Why then has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, uh, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The angel of the Lord here was was telling him how the Lord saw him, a mighty warrior. You know, the Hebrew this is uh, Hebrew this is translating a mighty man of valor, uh, and the same kind of same terminology as the, what was used to describe David's warriors, a group of them. Um, and so, sure, David to the, or not to David, Gideon. This sounded strange to him uh, because he didn't really look like a mighty warrior. He was a farmer. He was scared. He did his work in a wine press to try to hide all the things that he was doing. He didn't look like a mighty warrior. So he didn't feel so he didn't feel that way, and he didn't look that way. But God's view is not bound by our realities of ourselves. Thank goodness, it's not bound by that. <clears throat> Gideon, Gideon saw himself under the shadow of Midianites, but that's not who he was. That was not actually what was happening. God wasn't. God's not under there under that shadow. He can see beyond see beyond that and calling it and calling something out of Gideon that Gideon didn't know was there. You know, he was acting like a scared farmer, but that's not what he was. You know, that's not who he. That's how he was behaving, but that's not God. How that's not God's perspective of him. That wasn't God's perspective. That was his perspective of himself. And God's perspective of us can can so be so unbelievable at times that we don't believe that. We can't wrap our minds around it. God's perspective of us. So the angel here had, had shown him, told him about what he was, and he was trying to reveal what was in him. He was trying to tell, get, get him to believe what was inside of him, that God was with him. <clears throat> so Gideon wasn't really believing that he was a mighty man of valor because in his response to him, he didn't, even, uh, he didn't even talk about that in his response to the angel. So there have been, are there times in our lives where we, where we brush off God's perspective of us. That we hear things from people, we hear things from God, and we brush it off as this can't be me. You know, we dismiss that. We take we we put it aside. So this can't be me. This must be somebody else. Type of thing. Uh, so without 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 God left in our own reality, we are fearful. We are ins- we may feel insignificant. But with Him, our pur- our purposes, our possibilities change with God with His perspective of us. Uh, and like I said before, Gideon was so skeptical of the description of a mighty warrior that he didn't even address it in his, in his response. He overlooked it. He overlooked the most important part of the interaction with the angel of the Lord. It's critical for us as believers to understand who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And an incorrect spiritual identity can hamper us spiritually. Our spiritual success can take away from that if we don't understand fully who we are. Uh, we've got to get back. We've got to stop looking at ourselves the way the world does, the way that we look at ourselves, and seeing ourselves the way God does. Uh, and the best way to do that, best way to do that is abide, right? Abide in the Father, Scripture. Uh, so, Pete, could you put that uh, that uh, slide up for me? One, one whole slide. A nice table. Here we go. Here we go. Here we are. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know how I don't know about you guys, but I feel all these all the time. The self-image here. 
We feel fearful, incompetent, ungifted, worthless, rejected. This is the way we kind of see ourselves sometimes, right? But this is, thank goodness this is not the way God sees us. You know, we feel, if we feel fearful, God says we're courageous. If we feel incompetent, he says we're capable. Uh, if we feel ungifted, he says we're equipped. If we feel worthless, God says that we are valuable. Uh, if we feel rejected, he says we're accepted. If we feel insignificant, he says that we're special, right? We, cannot, we don't need to let the everyday normal times in our lives cause us to miss encounters with God and miss what he is teaching us and leading us toward, right? When we start to do that, we start to forget how he sees us, right? How he sees us, and we start to believe and live in the way that we see ourselves, right? We've, we've got to abide with the Father, all right? So in John, John 15, 4, it says, you know, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide, abide in me. We have got to stay connected to the source of our power in life, right? We've got to stay connected to the source of our power, and that is Christ. Even like any, any piece of electronic equipment that you own, your cell phone, especially your phones, all right? These things that you have in your hand are capable of so much stuff, right? We can do so much with our phones. You know, they were created by a group of people. They knew, they, they wanted them to be able to do certain functions, and they are capable of doing so much more than what we asked them to do. All right, they're, they're capable of doing so many things because they were made to do that, just the way God made us. <clears throat> we are, we are, this God, God image here, we are that, literally, because that's how God made us. That's how God created us. Uh, we have got to stay connected to that source of power in our lives, just like our phones do. You know, if we, if you have your phone, if you have that thing, it can't do anything. If you let it go dead, that phone can't do anything. All the capabilities that it has, they're nothing if we let it go dead. If it's dead, it's, it's done, it's just a, it's, it's an object, you might as well throw it away. Right? And you may be thinking, you know, I, I read my Bible... I do, I'm supposed to do that, but Ben, sometimes I just don't get anything out of it. And I think it's just like our phones the same way, is that we, if we, like I said, if we let it go dead, and even the home button on these things don't work, and when they go completely dead, they nothing at all, it's not until you hook it back up, and even when you do plug these things back in, it takes a long time, it takes several minutes for that little Apple icon to pop back up right? It takes, a, it takes a while. It takes time with the Father. We've got to stay connected to the source of our power, and that is Christ. If we, we believe that His power is all around us, there are, there are electrical outlets all over here and all over your home, and you can put your phone beside them, all those power outlets, but no power, no energy will go into this phone unless you hook it up the right way, right? And this is the source of our power. We've got to stay connected to Him to the Father, or we're gonna, we will start living our lives in the way that, that, that we see ourselves, the way, world, the way the world sees us, insignificant and fearful. We've got to stay connected to the power source, power of God in our lives to, to be, to live the way that he has called us to live, that we are capable of living. That's the word.
Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes. If you would like to learn more about New Horizons Christian Fellowship, and if you enjoyed the music, then please visit the links in the description to learn more. Thank you for listening, and remember, the service begins now. I'm